Okay, so I'm here with Brian. Hey. And uh, we were going to talk about your mission. Yeah. So Brian served his mission in Switzerland and parts of Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is sort of the story that I like to tell when people want to know about his mission. <laughs> Not that I was there, but so while he was on his mission, at one point I was I was dating this guy and this guy took me to his mission reunion and he had served like in the States, like Spanish speaking. And so I go to this mission reunion and no context for what to expect. And, and everyone's like so happy to see each other. They had all like dressed up really nice. They were all speaking in Spanish to each other. Like it was, it was this very like cheery peppy thing. And then he and I had broken up. But then, so after Brian and I got married, we went to Brian's mission reunion and I was expecting this like big fanfare that I had seen before. And it was like this really kind of like sad, like gathering of of, like guys, you know, of the missionaries, like in this little church gym. And there was like a lot of Swiss chocolate on the table and like no one was dressed up. Everyone was sort of like, Hey, (laughs) it was like, it was like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to get some chocolate and see people, but like, let's not talk about the mission. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I really liked my companions and stuff. They're all fun guys, but it wasn't like the mission was easy or anything like that. But it was, but it was maybe not so much the experience you were expecting to have as like a teenage boy. No, <laughs> no, not really. I was kind of, you know, I was hoping when I got my mission call that I'd go to a mission like in South America or Africa or something like that, where I'd be able to teach a lot of people and baptize a lot of people and stuff. And, um, when I got my mission call to Switzerland, I was like, Oh, okay, this is going to be challenging, I think, because, you know, I lived in Germany for a while, so I kind of knew what to expect from a European mission. Not to say that, like, my mission was harder than anyone else's. I mean, I think everyone's mission is is hard, and it's a growing experience. But I think um, yours was maybe hard in a way that we don't talk about in the church very often. Yeah, like, I didn't have any, I didn't have any physical trials at all. Like, I feel like that's like something you hear about a lot is like, Oh, I, you know, I got like the, I don't know, malaria or (laughs) I had to sleep in a cot and I had no air conditioning and, um, stuff like that. You know, my mission, as far as that goes, was like pretty cushy. You know, we had super expensive apartments. Um, I had this, our yeah, car to drive. Yeah, you were in like downtown Zurich. I was in Zurich for one area and, and someone told me that that was the most expensive apartment in the whole mission was the one like, that I was. Like worldwide. Of, of the whole, for, yeah, yeah, for the whole church. Yeah, not just the mission, but like for the whole world is that apartment that I was in was like the most expensive one. But, on the other side, we ended up not teaching a whole lot of people just because there weren't a lot of people uh, who were interested. I was still able to grow a lot from it. I mean, I don't regret serving a mission at all, but it was hard too. Okay, maybe let's go back and talk about you growing up because you mentioned that you grew up in Germany. Yeah. I mean, you're an American. Yes. My dad was in the Air Force when I was little. We moved around a lot. Um, we ended up moving to Germany when I was 11. You know, it was, uh, I mean, that was a growing experience too. And I had a chance to, um, when I was in Germany as a teenager, I went on the, with, uh, 
uh, with the missionaries one time just for fun with them, just to see what it was like. And we ended up on, like knocking on people's doors the whole time. And so that kind of gave me the first taste of what missionary life would be is just hearing a, a lot of rejection. I mean, you grew up in the church. Yeah. Like you, you have always been a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a Mormon. And I mean, you grew up in the culture and the expectation that you would graduate from high school and then serve a mission right? when you were 19. Yeah. I went to college for one year first and then put college on hold, put dating you on hold. Yeah. Because uh, we met uh, during my freshman year of school. And then, uh, yeah, I went on mission. I, I, I always was planning on going on a mission. It was something I wanted to do, you know, ever since I was in primary, my parents talked about it. Um, and I knew that it was something that God wanted me to do and something that I really wanted to do myself. So, so tell us why you wanted to do that. Cause I mean, you just said you went out with the missionaries and got rejected over and over again. Right. And that was your first taste. So like, you know, you know, thinking it, logically, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that. Why would then? you want to do that? <laughs> you know, but even if you think about missionaries in the New Testament, you're in good company because they face tons of trials and adversity. And and no one thinks of like a mission as an easy thing. It's something that you do as a sacrifice, something that you do because you love God and you want to. And because you're so happy about the gospel and the message that Jesus Christ shares and you really want to share that with other people. Um, and you want to give the chance and plus it's, it's, it's like in a big adventure, you know, it's like a big mystery. It's like, I don't know, I'll, I'll go wherever they send me and I'll do what best I can. And, you know, and, and I think that that's a pretty like fair generalization that that is really a growing time. Oh yeah, it definitely is. You know, aside from being apart from your family, you're basically, you have to live on your own. You don't really have much support. I mean, you have your companion that you're with all the time, planning meals, budgeting, making a schedule for yourself, sticking to that schedule without much supervision at all. <laughs> and you are expected to do, you know, this really important job and you feel all this tons of responsibility. And there's a lot of rules, too, as a missionary and, you know, trying to follow those rules, you know, like always being with your companion, being home at a certain time. Um, things like well, that. Staying out till a certain time right. and, keep, and to keep, keep working. Keep working. Don't be lazy. That's yeah. a big one. And it, yeah, it definitely makes you not really, yeah, you're not a teenager anymore. No. You're, you're like an adult and it kind of forces you into adulthood, which is good because you're not, you shouldn't be a teenager anymore by the time you're 20. Yeah. You should, you know, grow up from that. So, okay. So I assume by the time you walked into the MTC, I mean, did you feel prepared at that point? No, no, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really know. I felt excited and I felt like I'd get the help I needed from God. So I felt like I'd be okay, but I definitely didn't feel like I was a full blown. I felt like it's funny. Like you walk into the MTC and you see all the other missionaries and you think like, wow, they're all so old compared to me. And you know, everyone's the exact same age. And, but I don't know. It just seemed like, when you talk to people like, oh, you've been here for two weeks already? Wow, you must be really experienced. Um, you just kind of have to throw yourself into it. Right, yeah. <clears throat> you had always planned on serving a mission, and then um, as an 18-year-old, went for your first semester at BYU. Yeah. 
because um, you went to BYU for a year right. before serving your mission. And, and it was our first day of freshman orientation that we met. And then yeah. we started dating about a month later. Right. So how did that, did that affect your decision to serve a mission at all? Um, no, I already knew that I was going to serve a mission anyway. <laughs> it made me a little bit hesitant, like whether I'd want to, you know, start like a really serious relationship before because mm-hmm. I knew that would be kind of hard, but you were too cool and I loved you too much. And so I was like, well, anyway, I don't care. I'll still date you. And then when things will work out if they work out and it, they did. So did it make it harder though? Maybe to like, not that you wouldn't have gone, you know, but, yeah. but was it a more complex feeling than it would have been if we like hadn't met until after your mission? Maybe. Um, I think so. It was, I mean, it made me think more about serving mission and it didn't really make me not want to go because for sure I knew like I wanted to be the kind of guy who would do what God wanted me to do. And I feel like I would have kind of cheapened that relationship with him if I skipped out on the mission and just stayed with you. And that's not the kind of person I wanted to be for you too. You know, I wanted you to be with somebody who did what was, what was supposed to happen. Okay. So then talk about, you know, leaving the MTC and going to, to Switzerland. Yeah, that was, uh, interesting. Like we, well, I don't know how interesting it is. We (laughs) got on a plane and flew to Switzerland. We landed there. We met, I met my trainer companion. Um, this is the guy that I'll be with for the next couple months, just me and him, you know, doing missionary work. And he was a great guy. He, uh, picked me up from the airport or picked me up from the, the, the mission home in Zurich and we went home and he didn't really have any appointments planned that night. So I dropped off my suitcase and I said, okay, let's go. And I was like, Oh, we're not going to like do do anything first. I was like, no, we're going to go right now. So I was like, all right. And uh, we went out and was that kind of culture shock for you a little bit? Like not Swiss culture shock, but like mission mission culture shock. Yeah. How he never wanted to stop and rest. You know, there wasn't like a break, (laughs) you know, you'd go and then we like, you know, talk to people on the streets, talk to people on the train, on the bus, um, in the park. That's really what you you do as a missionary. Yeah. You you go around and talk to people. And then if people are interested, you talk to them more about, (laughs) um, about God, about Jesus, about their own faith, about our faith, about, you know, the Bible, about, we try to talk about the book of Mormon, explain what that is. And we didn't really get that far in many conversations because most people didn't really want to talk to us. I think they thought we were, telemark you know not telemark but like people approaching like trying to sell something and they're like no i just wanted to you know talk to you and see if there's a way we can help you out so anyway from that day on like every day we wake up in the morning at 6 30 study scriptures in the morning we're out of the apartment in the morning and we're out all day long until nine o'clock at night every day um and you do that for two years and maybe let's talk for just a minute too about like you you are a self-professed introvert and, and it's not like you are overly shy or anything like, like you, it seems like you're very comfortable talking to people and like now you're an optometrist and you talk to people all day long while you, you know, have appointments and stuff, but, but you recharge alone, but on a mission you're with your companion constantly. Yes. So how did that, like, how did that work for you personally? 
I thought I would struggle with that more, actually.、Uh-huh. Um, but it was okay. A lot, of, just because I think there, you know, there's time in our schedule that we are supposed to like be doing stuff alone by ourselves.、Mm-hmm. You know, we have our personal study time in the morning for an hour from like,、um, I think it's from eight to nine every morning. It's like when you're by yourself, you're not supposed to, you know, you just, you know, read the scriptures. Um, study talks and just you're quietly, you know, reading on your own. And that was my cherished time. That was like my <laughs> favorite time、uh, in the world. It was like that an hour that I had every day to be alone with God and, you know, study my scriptures and really develop that relationship. And then, and that, that's how I was able to recharge and prepare for the day. And then I was able to, you know, the next hour after that was we do the same thing again, but with companions. And then we just kind of talk about the people that we're teaching, the people that we're meeting with, and how specifically we can help them. It's like a special time in your life that you're not focused on yourself at all, you know? Which is, which is a pretty unique thing in our culture for. Like 18 to 21 year old boys to do. Yeah, you know, you, you put your, your life on hold, basically. I stopped my education, stopped my personal relationships, you know, and just went out and tried. My whole purpose was to help other people, you know, whether it be helping them spiritually, helping them physically. You know, I helped a lot of people move, I helped a lot of people garden, I helped a lot of people clean their houses. I've done that. Anyone that would let us, you know, do those things. Because really、uh, the idea is just to express to them that you're there to serve them. Yeah, serving. That's the whole point. The way that Christ would serve them. Right. And doing that in Switzerland was a little tricky because people are like, well, why aren't you in Africa? That's where <laughs> they need help. And I was like, well, everyone needs help in some way. And you, know, you might not need help with clean water, but you know, everyone needs help spiritually. So, you know, trying to get that across, I guess, was. And it, no, it, I wasn't like going to be like the savior to them. You know, I needed help too. It was like a whole learning process. <clears throat> okay, so I want to sort of switch gears here a little bit and ask you.、Um, I mean, we were writing fairly consistently, like throughout your whole mission, but there were things that I didn't know about until later. And one of those was that there was a time when I think you were feeling pretty depressed. And I think you didn't want to write home about it. And I think you didn't want to write to me about it. But I remember you telling me, I think maybe sometime after we had gotten married and we were talking about your mission. I remember you telling me that you were just, you know, in a really low point in your mission and just personally. Yeah. Can you maybe talk about that and talk about maybe what led you to that low point and then what led you out of it? Um, I think it was closer to the beginning part of your mission. And when I felt like I was not not doing a very good job as being a missionary, like nobody was really listening to me. So,、um, like, what was your gauge at that point for, for being a good missionary? Well, I thought, you know, good missionary equals teaching people, you know, teaching people and having lots of baptisms. And, 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 like, people wanting to be baptized. Yeah. Um, and joining a church. And, you know, then it just c o m e like week in and week out where I'd be talking to people and then be so many people who wouldn't want to listen, so many people rejecting it, like people yelling at us and telling us to go home and leave them alone. And 
it was tough, you know, like 10 hours a day of hearing that over and over again. And it just wears on you after a while. And, and I was homesick and I, uh, I was away from my family and from, you know, culture I was familiar with and, you know, people I was familiar with. And I think what, what got me in the end is like really, you know, as reading in there's a missionary handbook called preach my gospel. And I was reading in that, which anyone can get, anyone can get. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, what determines like how, how do you know if you're a successful missionary? And I was like, Oh great. This is what I need. So I like read that list and nowhere in that list did it say like, and people will listen to you. <laughs> it it was like, you know, you have to have a good relationship with God. You have to um, uh, be willing to invite people. Whether or not people listen or not is up to them. But if you're inviting people, that's you're doing your job, you know. And uh, be willing to o- open to serve others and love people. And I was like, these are all things that are totally within my power to do. And so I remember copying down that list and like reading it like over and over again. And you know, these are like as long as I'm doing these things, I know that I'm doing my job and do- I'm doing my duty. Um, and I'm. I am a successful missionary if I if I do these things. And that brought me a lot of comfort in knowing that, you know, that Heavenly Father was proud of me, which was uh, a great feeling to know that. And maybe that you felt sort of validated in what you were doing, that it wasn't that it wasn't a waste of time no. like everyone was trying to tell you it was. You know, yeah, I mean, a lot of strangers say, like, oh, you're wasting your time here. You know, you should go back and talk to people who really need help and things like that. And I was like, well, am I really wasting my It's like no one's listening to me. Am I really wasting my time? And then I came to realize if not a single person listened to me the whole two years that I was on my mission, I wouldn't have wasted my time at all because, you know, I would have converted myself. And because you were there to serve the Lord, right? I wasn't there to, to like, people. no, I, my main person wasn't to baptize people. It was to invite people to strengthen their relationship with God and to serve him and do, um, and basically for me to, uh, you know, to do whatever God wanted me to do. And, and he called me there. So I, I did my best. Um, okay. So talk to us about maybe, when your mission was wrapping up, sort of how did you start to feel about that? Um, I felt good. I don't think I would have, like, I I was able to get through the mission just because I had that end date in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the end date's important, meaning, like, you're not supposed to be a missionary for. Ever. I mean, they say every member of missionary, meaning like everyone should be sharing the gospel, but not everyone. Not a full, you know, not doing it full time. Yeah, like it's There's, a very different thing. Right. You couldn't. You couldn't live a normal life. You couldn't be a normal like married person. No, and I remember there's something like Elder Holland saying before. I think in a talk that I was hearing from him, how like. How like you know, there's a specific start date to things and also release dates on things. And there's a reason why we're released. And so when the end date was coming, I could feel it coming. Like, you know, this is, I'm going to basically wear myself out and doing the hardest work I can do until that time. Maybe like the and last basically, sprint before Yeah, like line. collapse over the edge there. So 
I remember like the, the day before my flight home, I was still like knocking on people's doors. I still had a couple lessons planned. Um, we're teaching still people that, that night before I went home and just kind of ended abruptly. And it was like pulled directly right out of that life. Like almost as abruptly as I, as I was thrown into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like a different life really. Yeah. And when I think back on it, I was like, did that really happen to me? <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, definitely. I mean, I still feel those experiences. My testimony of the gospel has grown a lot uh, because of that. And when I think back on that, you know, it's in memory of fondness of the feelings that I've had. Um, and of the, relationships that I did build, but mostly it was my relationship with God that got a lot stronger because of my mission. So um, maybe tell us what was, what was one thing or maybe a couple things that you feel like you knew after your mission that you didn't know before? You can't achieve any spiritual level that you want to. You know, that, that there's not, it's not like the prophets and apostles are entitled to a greater relationship to God than you are. It's like anyone can get to that point. If you're willing to do the work. If you're willing to do the work. And make the sacrifices personally to, to devote that time. And I think in that regard, the sacrifices are worth it. You know, I mean, what else would you rather have than a great relationship to God? Yeah. I mean, I feel like. You know, I've heard several times growing up in the church that sacrifice is giving up something good for something better. Something better, yeah. And I think that's definitely, I mean, would you say that that's a good way to maybe sum up what it is to serve a mission? Yeah. I mean, it is hard to put everything on hold and um, face, you know, a lot of opposition and things. But what you get out of it is... um, is really worthwhile, you know, and it, it's hard to really sum it up in like a simple thing, but you know, the whole experience was a really growing experience. And okay. Maybe, maybe to close, will you, will you tell us how your testimony grew, your own personal testimony grew by serving a mission and how it's benefited your life in the air sense? Yeah. It really, um, the fact that we can receive personal, inspiration, personal revelation from God. That's something that stuck with me a lot. And, um, and how, you know, the things that you, you, the impressions that you receive from the Holy ghost are like personal scripture, personal revelation from God and, and how it's like direction to you at that moment. And that's something that didn't really, I didn't really have a whole lot of experience with until my mission. And since I've served a mission, I've had a lot more of experience with that, you know, whether or not, you know, I should marry Katie or, you know, changing my professions, changing, you know, schooling, where we should live, directions we should take and, um, things like that. It's, um, I've, because I've served a mission, I was able to rely on those impressions a lot more because I, they, they've become more familiar to me. And maybe learn how to recognize them, recognize them and how to see like, okay, I know this feeling cause I felt this before, you know, and I was able to use those feelings a lot when I was teaching different families or knowing where I should go, um, what I should say and things like that when I was on my mission. 
And they're like tools that I was familiar with already. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else that you want to share about your mission or any other advice that you want to give to people maybe preparing to serve a mission? Um, I guess my advice for people who are going to serve a mission is that um, missions are hard and it's okay to say that they're hard as long as you still do the work, you know, and just because things are really hard for you and it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It's supposed to be hard. I think I that's true of life too. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like a little mini life. A mini life in a way. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Anyway. Awesome. I, I thanks. guess that's all. Thanks for sharing your, your stories and your experiences and your testimony with us. Yeah. And all right. We're done. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Katie Lewis Studio Podcast. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Katie Lewis Studio or email me directly at katielewisstudio at gmail.com. This podcast is not for profit and is always produced free of charge. I'm Katie Lewis and I've been your host. Big thanks to my husband, Brian Lewis, for editing this episode. Hope you have a great day. Okay, Katie Lewis signing out. Doot doot. Bum, bum, bum. I don't even know what that just was.